2: And welcome once again, everybody. Big Dave Van Joe from South Florida with another edition of Poker Action Line tonight. Looking forward to uh, our show this evening. Uh, we do have a special guest. Uh, Eileen Sutton is going to join us. Uh, I talked a little about her last week uh, in the show. But uh, just to give you a little more information, Eileen is kind of a jack-of-all-trades in the literary world, I believe. Uh, an editor, a writer. And she kind of came to my attention with an article called uh, Poker for Girls that appeared in Salon.com. And it was very interesting, and you know, kind of a big point for us to uh, always uh, be interested in that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, let me tell you, Dave. You know how we've championed the cause of women being a poker poker room director for so many years. You know, believe it or not, I believe that to be the last frontier that we have to overcome is getting more women in the poker room, which we've both discussed at length with Linda Johnson and, and many other women. Uh, guests that we've had on our on our show, and being a father of three daughters, I definitely want to see that there, and I, I'd love to get Eileen's view on us to. Why we don't have larger numbers well, in we'll the ta- main we'll like about about that. So yeah,
2: she just wrote uh, an article that I noticed. Uh, she does some blogging for red chip poker. Remember, we had uh, James uh, Splitsuit yep. Sweeney on uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. But uh, Anyway, we will talk with Eileen. She's working on her memoir as a uh, kind of a way, I guess, as part of the, the goal is to uh, urge more women to get into the game. But uh, she grew up, not grew up, uh, because she didn't find poker until uh, her 50s. But uh, when she st- once she started playing, she got into a lot of the underground poker games in New York, which is a whole topic in itself, and uh, we'll have some fun talking about that as well. Some great stuff, so we'll look forward to having Eileen on uh, in after our first break, so we'll get to her shortly, and uh, certainly we'll have some fun with that tonight. But uh, the WPT uh, kicking off their big month of March now, today with three consecutive days of final tables. Uh, you know how much work goes into setting up... Uh, uh, TV production so that they can get it on the show later in the year. Uh, so much equipment, so much staff, and everything that it really just makes sense to do the final tables all at one place since they found it, a great place.
0: It is, and it's a shame they're not doing Poker gold and putting it on a little bit of a delay because I love that. Well, myself. who knows?
2: It may be on there. I didn't.
0: I didn't even think to look that up. But you know you know, I'm not a big fan of watching something no, that I know. I know the results of <laughs> six months later, you know.
2: I know you are. But, uh, of course, the WPT shows, I, I was looking at one of them last night. It was the uh, the end of the European Championship won by Ola Shemian uh, last year. And then they were getting ready to start last year's LAPC, which uh, I'm kind of interested in l- looking at because it was a fellow that really was a small-time player that was just... Absolutely getting hit by the deck and playing great poker and made this final table. And You mean like Jamie Gold
0: did when he won the main event? Yeah,
2: his name is Dennis Blydell, and uh, last night was uh, the first of the three shows for the LAPC from last year. And he ended up winning the tournament, so there's a little spoiler alert there. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, interesting show. And it takes – my point was to do – Back to back final tables from three separate tournaments that were played earlier in the year it makes sense. And they're doing the first one today, uh the LAPC final table, and then tomorrow they'll have the Gardens uh, from Los Angeles that was in January, and then the Borgata, which was just last month. Well, they'll be playing on
0: Wednesday. I would imagine once you set the production, you know, crew together and get all of that together, then it's just, you know, uh, uh, Implementing one one group of players for another exactly. from day to day. The and, hard and part is getting it set up, and then you know, getting your announcers, whoever's announcing these final tables, to get to know the players right. and uh, you know, get the inside. Well, they stories got, they on got them.
2: Tony Dunst, and they got uh, Lynn Martin, and uh, you know,
1: obviously, well, uh, just mentioned Tony.
0: Yeah, so Tony Dunst right there, and Vince, who's been doing it for so many years, and you know, that I'm sure they've got their 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 Background stories on everybody, and uh, that should be for interesting... Actually, that might be for some very interesting viewing down the road. Yeah, for sure.
2: Well, the interesting thing is the one today, which is just getting underway as we're doing the show here, uh, 4 o'clock Pacific time, uh, 7 7 o'clock, right around the 7 o'clock hour uh, on the East Coast. But anyway, uh, they are just getting underway, so we're really not going to have any results from that. But I did want to give you the final tables because... Uh, this uh, first tournament that they're playing today, the LAPC, which just ended, uh, got down to the final table last week. I think it was March 6th was the last day. And then now just about a week later here they're playing in Las Vegas. But Darren Elias is the chip leader going into the final table. He's already won three WPT titles. So this would be his fourth, which is just incredible. Uh, Mike Mike Sexton uh, tweeted out a Uh, a little tweet that said how incredible that was that most people don't realize how tough that is and when you mentioned the different groups coming in I was wondering I wonder if anybody's in two of the tournaments in the final table and you know that's basically impossible
0: (laughs) well I mean they'd have to travel to get to those that make the final table in some of the other places where where are the other two final tables from what what other Uh,
2: LA and uh, uh, New Jersey uh, Borgata and uh, Atlantic City
0: you they 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 have these things called planes that get these people over well, back yeah. and forth rather quickly <laughs> if they want to. <laughs> so,
2: well, that's that's the next three days will be final tables there, and then they have they have a, a pretty ambitious schedule for the rest of March too. So there'll be other tournaments
0: as I, well. But you know, this is a nice little twist on the WSOPs. You know, waiting for, for that we all. At first, hated, then loved, and now hate that they went well, back to, to the old there's style. There's been
2: several articles written on is this a good idea because it didn't really work for the November nine. As some people thought I thought it was I fine, don't know, but th- I never heard. They said heard it, not wh- it was not that it was bad, but this really didn't accomplish anything. Was what I, a lot of people well, said.
0: Well, I'll be honest with you: if it didn't accomplish anything, I put the blame on fault. the people yeah, because yeah, their fault. you had four months to build up the anticipation on this to put out stories interest stories i mean it, it, they could have made this uh, an event actually not not just a poker event i mean an event if this had been handled properly in my opinion
2: yeah well unfortunately for them they're also playing the rolling thunder tournament out in in uh, the sacramento area out in california which is, I think, on day two or something like that and, and playing uh, through the weekend here. But anyway, uh, they will be getting underway, uh, or if they're not right now, very shortly, and we'll try to report on anything we can. Also at that final table is David Baker, uh, ODB, not uh, Bakes. Uh, but David ODB Baker is second in chips. Elias has nine million chips, and David ODB has uh, 4.75. Uh, Modus Symbolis. Uh, Who lives in uh, London, originally, I think, a Czechoslovakian, but uh, he is at 4.675 million. Jean Claude Moussa, 1.25. Steve Yeh, 1.2. And John Smith, who is a very interesting player. He's 72 years old and a great player, but he is the short stack with 895,000 chips. Anyway, tomorrow will be the uh, WPT Gardens Championship which was uh, played at uh, the Hawaiian Gardens, the old Hawaiian Gardens out in uh, Los Angeles. That ended back in January, and they will play next week. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, tomorrow. And uh, final table there is Frank Stapuchin is the uh, chip leader. Shannon Shore is uh, second in chips. Third is Steve Sung. Ray Quartemy. Jonathan Abdel Atif and Brent Roberts uh, round out that final table. That will be tomorrow. And then on Wednesday will be the Borgado final final table. Uh, South Floridian is at that final table. Uh, Ian O'Hara, who's from uh, Boca Raton. He is, uh, well, let's see, he's quite a ways back in chips because the chip leader is Dave Farrow with $18.8 million. And then uh, Brandon Hall, second, with $14 million. And rounding out that table, Daniel Buzgon, Ian O'Hara, uh, Joseph DeRosa Rojas and Vinicius Lima. So that's the final table that will go on Wednesday, which is the completion of the Borgata, which was played, uh, I guess, down in late January. Actually finished on uh, January 31st. Anyway, we'll look forward to all those things uh, coming up. We will have some fun tonight talking with Eileen Sutton, and uh, we'll get to some other things. Uh our friend uh, uh, from Wisconsin, Wrote an article about uh, re-entries again, uh, kind of going back to talk about revived uh, debate about re-entries in poker and whether it's good or bad for the game. Chad Holloway uh, wrote that article. If we have time, we'll get to some of that at the end of the show. But uh, also, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, I'll uh, we'll have to pull it up on one of the breaks, is they had a big brawl at Talking Stick, which is in Arizona. And uh, the videos are online, and you can check out some of that. I was kind of curious to see in your days as a poker room director and a floor uh, guy whether you ran into any serious fist fights
0: oh, i i got a great story to okay. tell you about well, save that. save it
2: save it because <laughs> we'll get to it later but uh kind of interesting uh story there and how people reacted to it and that sort of thing let's take our first break on the show when we come back we'll have Eileen Sutton uh poker for girls was the, was the article she wrote but she has also worked on several books including uh, some editing duties for the course by Ed Miller, which uh, really piqued our interest when we saw that. So we'll talk to her when we get back. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and you can always pick up the show on SoundCloud. is probably the best place uh, because you can listen to the show. You can tweet it or email it or uh, send it to your friends for them to listen. Send them a link. Or you can pick us up on, of course, iTunes. You can go to our website, PokerActionLine.com. Go to the Podbean page. Or you can pick us up on the Holder Radio Network, which carries us on a regular basis as well. We'll be back with uh, more of the show after these messages. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll return shortly.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis listen can't can you you can't see it either wash surfaces utensils and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food especially when handling raw meats or eggs Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
2: Back on the show, Big Dave and Joe, Uh, I want to bring in our special guest, Eileen Sutton, who uh, is a writer and editor, and uh, came across her with the Poker for Girls article that I mentioned. Eileen, uh, thanks for taking the time tonight to uh, be with us.
3: Thank you so much. It's it's great to be with you both.
2: You told me uh, you're a New Yorker, basically, but you're getting ready to move to Vegas. Uh, What prompts that?
3: You know how the insanity takes over our brains. I um... (laughs) am... I've been grinding underground in New York for about five years on the cash side. I started as a tournament player and uh, was coached by Matt Matros and then by Ed Miller. And then once I met Ed and I just had a feeling fairly early in my career that I cash just always spoke to me. I've been watching high stakes poker games for years and years, literally, you know, almost nightly. And um I really I'm. Poker is, in addition to my writing life, poker is my my other career, and I really need to live in a casino city. So yeah, exactly. I was there. I was there last uh, summer, and my current coach is Tommy Angelo. And um, oh yeah,
2: Tommy's great. Yeah, Elements was, of Poker, right?
3: Yeah, it's that's such a work of genius. So um, yeah, I hadn't actually been to Vegas in 40 years, and I was there last summer. It was amazing, and uh, it's time. So I've been in New York for 30 years. And um, I'm just I really I, I want to be playing poker, you know, in a casino city. But I'm also uh, New York is just sort of taking it out of me. You've got to
2: get ready for 114 degree temperatures, though. I'm
3: so happy. With I grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in the desert. Um, I got off the plane. It was 105 degrees, and I was ecstatically happy. So.
2: Well, the article, people can pick it up and search for it on uh, salon.com, but Poker for Girls uh, talks about the male-dominated world of underground poker, and that's how you really got into the game very seriously. And you said uh, you talk about how it changed your life a little bit. It gave you a true strength.
3: I really did. I mean, poker had been all over my family. I mean, from the time I was a child, um, all my my grandparents, my cousins, my parents, everybody played poker. We we played. The kids played like blackjack at like Jewish holiday dinners and whatever. But um, my whole family played poker. My grandfather um, was a great influence on me. He was a, a, a poker player in the 40s and 50s. On the, you know traveling the California coast by bus before you know, poker became itself in the modern sense, but it never was my life. And, and as you mentioned, um, I think earlier I had found poker completely by accident when I was 55 in New York at a corporate event, and something just really unleashed in me. And when I started to play, and I started um, – I'm very grateful to Chip for giving me an opportunity to, to blog about poker um, for many years, and from the minute I started playing really seriously underground – I started to write about that experience, and it really was, it really has been, um, it really has been life-altering. I mean, people talk about poker, people use certain phrases that can sometimes feel cliched, like all of life exists in the game, or everything you experience in your your life you're going to find in poker. And all of those cliches are kind of true. And in my case, just um, having had a certain history uh i grew up in the 50s you know i grew up in the 60s um I, I, you know women in that period were just kind of treated a certain way i was right. shaped according to certain ideas and then poker in the 50s for me I mean, I mean in my 50s i've never been a shy person and i've had a pretty remarkable life in new york but when i come to a game i'm a completely different human being in some sense.
2: Well you you yeah. talk about how uh you can uh, get down and dirty with the boys, uh that your F bombs are legendary. Of course, uh <laughs> we we won't get an example <laughs> of that tonight, but uh hopefully well you never know. Uh had uh, Will yeah. the th- will the thrill Fail on the show and he uh he broke new ground on that in that regard. But uh you talk about how that first uh networking event where it was an all women table mm-hmm. and that was the first time you ever played Texas Hold'em And then you move to a place where you know they're showing porn on the wall, and uh, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's just some unbelievable type people. It would seem to me it would be very difficult to infiltrate that society.
3: Um, Yes, I think you're right in theory, and it was very weird for me and beautiful in some sense. I mean, I'm a, I've, I've been a writer for 30 years, so my poker life. Came kind of careened up against my writing life and, and, and what, what it became for me is that, and this is something that I continue to explore in a memoir that I'm working on that just, I'm, I'm Raymond Chandler, who, you know, was wrote a detective fiction in, right. in, LA, based in LA, uh, in the 30s and 40s and 50s. The c- underground communities, despite the fact that I grew up, you know, in a very rich community in Los Angeles, I love, underground the underground world and when poker i found poker's version of that i was really quite comfortable i've gone to games i've been very careful i've been uh, but most i've always gone to games uh by myself and knocked on strange doors and that raymond chandler part of my brain was always quite in love with the romance of a little bit of the danger of the underground world and i'm not a child so i was able to go toward these moments with you know a lot of self care and, and self-control. Um, and I, and I sat down at those games with a lot of, uh, I have always gotten a lot of respect, even though I've had a handful of moments that were, were hard and disrespectful and, and weird. And a, a few spots I played in that I didn't return to that were pretty edgy and right. felt unsafe. But, uh, I, women, once I started blogging, women were writing to me from around the country talking about, uh, their horror stories in live casino play. And um fortunately I haven't had too much of that but but a little bit in New York. But for the most part, um I I, I have a you know, I have a pretty uh I have a particular presence at the poker table, let's just say that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's bring Joe in because he has played in some of these underground games. Uh, well, uh, some of them home games, basically. But did you ever have women, many women, playing at those games?
0: Not really, right? No, uh, to be honest with you, none. Now, when I dealt in private games down here, I did deal one private game. Where it was nothing but women. Wow. It was well. nothing but women. I mean, so
2: <laughs> probably the language was worse at that table. Uh, right? they, they were a lot of fun, to say the
0: least. They were a lot of fun, but like I mean, says I. I never got into those games. I was invited to a few of those games, but as she mentioned, some of those, some of the characters that I knew were going to be there were just, you know, people that I really didn't want to be around. I mean, you know, I didn't know how they'd take if they lost to me, and to be honest with you, I was even more scared to leave the place if I did win. You know, it was just – that was the culture. So <laughs> the games I played in, Eileen, were more with friends and family of friends. And, mm-hmm. yeah, somebody would bring in a player. And, you know, back then it wasn't Hold'em and uh, Omaha. You know, we were playing Follow the Queen, uh, <laughs> baseball, you know, uh, the cross seven, game. Seven you know, <laughs> it was all these crazy games, which, which I don't know if you – since you started late, uh, Eileen – I don't know if you ever heard about them or how they played them, but um, some of them, yeah, they were some crazy games that actually built up some tremendous pots. But mm-hmm. you know, we were all kind of novice to it at that time. And the serious game, as it was for many years, was seven card stud. Right. You know, we'd play a round of seven card stud high, and then a round of seven card stud uh, high low with a spit. You know, so <laughs> those were the type of games that we were really playing in in, in the in the home games. And a lot of them were held actually at my house as I was growing up <laughs> when I was in college. So. Eileen is
2: obviously a great writer. I want to give you a good line from Poker for Girls that I loved. Uh, you said, uh, I, I loved the feeling of power and control at the table. I reveled in confrontation and structured violence. And then you say, uh, because aggression was life, I fell in love with the game on the felt. Tell me how the game had changed your, your outfit look in life.
3: Um, before I answer your excellent question, Dave, I just want to say to Joe, I appreciate everything you're saying and people <laughs> regale me all the time. I'm, I'm grateful to know many people who have been in the game for anywhere from 20 to 50 years longer than me. So I love these. <laughs> no, know, literally, literally, most of the people I play against, right, have been in the game forever. I've been in the game for 20 minutes. Um, so I deeply appreciate the beauty of all the iterations. Um, uh, Dave, an answer to your question, um, you know, I, I... Um, there was a fair amount of bullying in my history, in my childhood, and a sense of um just trying to feel um you know kind of a sense of safety and a kind of agency and presence and when I found poker, it gave me a particular set of permissions and and there I play you know Tommy has had just a profound effect on my game, and he is a great advocate of what he calls and what I call mum poker and even if it's even if I default in a game, in a particular game, to more more than less silence, which is often the case for me, that aggression, as you both know, um, you can express your aggression through various playing strategies and all that. It doesn't have to be verbal necessarily, but poker gave me a sense of I get to be, I got to be when I first started at the table without from a deeply feminist perspective, I didn't have to take care of anybody. I didn't have to take care of men. I didn't have to be smiling. I didn't have to be polite. I didn't have to be anything. I could be completely myself, which often meant completely silent, uh, strategically aggressive, taking other people's money. It was a dynamic that I'd never experienced in, in my normal life in some sense, even though I've been in business for 20 years and, and done a whole con, just had a whole life. But that aspect of it, of just, having feeling a different kind of agency as a woman and i've talked to a handful of men who have has have, have also had this experience which was very sweet to me that 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 within the context of what, what i call a testosterone festival at a lot of low stakes games in particular that even certain men have said that to me that they felt like they could come to a poker game and could feel a sense of you know not so much um Domination and crushing, which I just wrote about for 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 um, poker news, but just a sense of agency and control and focus and uh, and competition in the purest sense what I consider the, a Japanese version of a more compassionate competition. Uh, so that's, as a woman, that's what I, in in part, that's what the game continues to give me always.
2: Well, not necessarily just women, as you mentioned, but with other men, sometimes beginners that make mistakes. We see a lot of idiots uh, berate them, make fun of them, and mm-hmm. basically drive them right out of the game when they barely just got started playing. So if you look at the big picture, that's just absolutely stupid because you want to grow the game. And you want to have beginning players that are learning because they're obviously going to be on the uh, upward
0: climb of of the learning curve.
3: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. Joe? Eileen, yeah, I wanted to say what you were talking about how you feel empowered at the table because you don't have to take care of anybody. And my experience from being a poker room director for so long, having trained, having been involved, having been a player, Mm -hmm. I have found that the men that act just, you know, incredibly rude – Is for two different reasons. One is because they think they can intimidate the woman into making a mistake. And the other, because they're probably so used to taking advantage of whatever, you know, relationships they have with women outside of poker, (laughs) that when they get started to get get abused at the table, so to speak, that that's the only way they know how to lash out. Mm -hmm. And it's so nasty. And um, like I said... It's great that that you're so strong and that you don't put up with that. But so many women, you know, unfortunately, and I don't know if you heard, I have three daughters and I wouldn't want them to do this. But I've had to embarrass the hell out of people because of the language that they've used, you know, with women sitting at the table, with female dealers, you know, with with the female staff that's in that room. And I've never allowed that. And being of Latin descent... You know, I I talk loud to begin with, and when I get excited, and even worse, when I get upset, my volume kind of, you don't need me to be on a microphone. And I have literally gone up to men after they have said something that I can't even repeat. And I just looked up to them, and as loud as I can, I go, how would you like me to say that to your mother
3: Mm -hmm. or to
0: your wife or your daughter or your sister? And, you know, I I make sure everybody in that poker room has heard it. Unfortunately, I'd love to tell you that I've only done it once. I've done it many times, and to to their I don't know credit, all but one have come up to me to apologize, and I told them I said you know you, you didn't like being embarrassed right? I go well that's yeah. how they feel. They just need they to be reminded. To but I had one guy who came up to me. I mean I, I was I, I was really dumbfounded. He goes hey I don't appreciate you embarrassing the hell out of me at the table,
3: mm-hmm. and I
0: told him well the door's right there. Yeah, you don't have to. Come. <laughs> The door's right there. See, right behind. Turn around. See the door? You don't ever have to come back in this room, because if I ever hear you talk like that again, I'm going to make sure you're barred.
2: Well, Eileen, I know you don't need any uh, advice on how to uh, handle yourself and protect yourself from some of these idiots, but I wanted to pass this along because it just came in today to me, earlier this afternoon, a tweet from uh, Kim Lim is mm-hmm. her name, uh, uh oriental girl that plays a lot of professional poker. Uh, K-Y-M-L-I-M is her is her name. And she told a little story that said uh, she said another woman at, at the, my table raised free flop. I call in the small blind, and the man in the big blind looks at me and says, if you were a man, I would call, but since you're a woman, I'm going to fold. And her response to him is priceless. She says, why? It might be your only chance for a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
3: god! Oh my god! This is fantastic.
2: So oh you could god. use that. Uh, it's on Twitter today. So I don't oh, know if you'll search for it. I look that
3: up. I yeah. I think I love that you guys are talking about this stuff and caring about this. Um, there are, obviously there are gender issues in this very masculine game. Yes, uh, but. Um, It's fascinating for me as a woman, uh I I mean I read recently it just seems so obvious but uh when I read it I was it was kind of an aha moment for me that men that that women are uh women quote can't get away with their raises or shouldn't be taking money from men. There's there's an ego factor there. For myself as a woman and I'm my game has tightened up considerably over the last several months, I just get away with murder. I mean, I just, I rate, I'm constant. My, so many, I'm a vast majority of my C bets are bluffs. I just get away with murder. And I feel like, let me use the gender differential oh, to my yes. advantage because folks just figure. And I occasionally, I, I generally don't show my raises. Occasionally I do. I try never to do it because if I do it, I'm a little bit tilty or I'm dealing with young kids at the table who, you know, I, I just work very hard on my mental game, especially with Tommy, et cetera. Um, but, uh, Occasionally I show a bluff, uh, but you know to women who and I' women have, I've written, some women have written about it, but it really I use it I just use it to my advantage. It, it can but,
2: be an advantage. Oh, no, it's
3: a gigantic advantage. <laughs> yeah, the,
2: the way you phrase it in your in your article is I work the girl card and compete for dear
0: life. I, and <laughs> and I Eileen, mean the, the, the successful women that I've seen in my room have done that. They've either played the sexy card, the dumb card, the intimidated card, and before you know it at the end of the at the end of the session, they're walking away with most of the chips you know and and to their credit, most of the guys that they've taken the money from have no clue. They're walking away going, "I can't believe how damn lucky she was. I can't believe how damn lucky she was and you know as as I'm trying to remember he goes after a while, you have to start realizing. Wow! Either I'm a very bad player, or this is the luckiest person in the world. <laughs> you know, the, the reala- when the realization sets in, it's, it's like um, what was that? Paul Newman, movie uh, the, the the sting. You know, the, by the time they realize they've they've had they've been uh, stung by by a much superior player, you know, it's too late. They've lost all their chips.
3: Right. I mean, and, and notwithstanding these very real realities, I would like to encourage women. And there's a million reasons. I've I've researched this quite a bit and written about it quite a lot. Why women do or don't play live, or do or don't play online, and those numbers are are there's huge differentials in those numbers. But separate from the gender issues, which are very are are quite real, and we have a long way to go. I also, for myself, I feel like I do my best work when I'm simply uh, engaging, playing strategies. I've had three world-class coaches and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I employ strategies against, you know, some of the loosest, craziest quote, male players, unquote in the game. And I feel like I get there because I'm clear about my counter strategies against, you know, players who have so many leaks. And I, I know women who kind of play those various cards that you just, that you just mentioned for myself. Um, I would really just, I mean, women can do what they want. For me, I just want to have brilliant, instant counter strategies that are effective and that, that get me to the finish line. Wow. Um, so, um, I do take advantage of the fact that men don't just, just assume I'm never bluffing, but separate from that, I really, I worked very, I work very, very hard at the game and I work hard at, at just, just being really smart in live play. It's incredibly complex and I just, I would just work hard at, at being smart about what how I can put more, you know, most chips in my stack a, a hand at a time.
0: Well, Eileen, I haven't had the, the, the pleasure or, or the education from world-class players as you have, but I do remember you saying just a little while ago that you don't show many bluffers, but bluffs, but every now and then you do, because, you know, I've, I've had a reputation of at first being very tight, or as they say, knit now, then I changed it up. And I personally don't like to show many bluffs because I, don't, I want to keep people guessing. But the few that I have shown, and I'm curious if you've done it because of the same reason, is when I know there's a crazy player at the table that, I, that I'm waiting to take advantage of and I'm able to bluff him off of a hand, and I'll show him. And I have... You know my intentions of showing him is to upset him because I know the next time I get him in there and I have and I'm sitting with the nuts he's gonna he's he's either gonna try to bluff me out or he's gonna give me all his chips because mm-hmm. he won't believe me. Is that what you use it for, or is it to, I, to get I more do, action exactly, because they yes, think you're a much ex, better player?
3: Exactly that what you just said. But I virtually never do it, and even if I do it once a month, which is a lot for mm-hmm. me, I feel bad about it. Says, <laughs> no, no, honestly, I really never. Like, I believe in never showing, having 100%, uh, you know, success rate on never showing.
0: You want the mystery. Did she have a bluff? Was she bluffing? Did she have a real hand?
3: I love them having
0: that. Like I said, the rare occasions that I do show it is because, you know, for lack of a better word, there's an idiot at the table who thinks they can just, you know, bully the table around. And when you finally get them off a hand because of... The, the the image that you're portraying throughout the session, and you finally get him off the hand, and you go, man, I can get this guy's chips if I, if I can now piss him off and and get him, you know, get him rocked off off of his his thinking thing, and then you always hear the, well, oh, the next time you're in the hand, I'm going to be raising, and you know, they start with all that garbage talk, and I just smile inside because I'm going, that's exactly what I want you to do, because the next time I'm going to have you set up just perfectly
3: precisely if you have if you feel like there's going to be some tilt and tilt advantage toward them then that's fine for my i mean i had a hand the other night i showed to two young goofballs and the next hand (laughs) i had i had kings so it's like are you kidding me it's like god is like some kings on the hand on the back of a show i would just say i would just recommend that you know it be really really infrequent infrequent but if you feel like and i would also i think that getting into some of that uh kind of oh, what do you say, the mental game, the kind of tilty you want to kind of get at someone's minds, that for me, I feel like it, more or less that part of the game drains my energy out. I don't want to be focused on whether I'm going to tilt someone into a blah, 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 blah or whether I can get them. I know certain players play like that for me, pers- and I respect players who do that and they have speech play and they do all of that. That's not my per personal profile if you can do that and you feel comfortable with it and with the occasional player who's just pissing you the f off and you just want to show a bluff and it's going to tilt them and i had a crazy nut at my game recently and i (laughs) you know it was just like a whole dynamic you you guys know all of this yeah and i would just say that going down that road it it can be sometimes more of an energy drain than an energy gain
2: so what is the problem now with the women in poker? We've been doing this show for nine years. We have had a <laughs> lot of women on the show. Uh, I notice when I go out to poker rooms that there are more women playing.
1: Uh, right.
2: Online, you see a lot of women playing. Although you know some people fake their name, you know, for some kind of reason, if they think they're going to gain an advantage by it. But there are more people playing. But what's happened with like the World Series of Poker main event? I know it's a ten thousand dollar buy-in but we're always right at 3 or 4%. We got over 4 and then last year we dropped below 4% women again.
3: Right. Yeah, I mean this is not anything I'm about to say is not like, you know, set in stone, but from from the research I've done, yes, it would appear that you know, women are 2 to 4% of the live Maybe tournament population. I'm not sure of the live cash population. Is probably not much more than that. And anywhere from you know 12 to 20 percent of the online population. I mean, there women, as you guys know, are for some are the next big demographic in terms of getting women into the funnel from a marketing standpoint. And I'm also a marketer by training, and I've consulted with a number of poker brands. Um, but it's a chicken and egg question too. I mean, I have friends who are women who are married who have children. And these are the issues for some women, right? Like women are raising families and they have less money and they have less control over their time. That's some of it. Um, Also marketing strategies in some of the brands I've seen are extremely masculine in nature. So the chicken and egg question becomes um, they're not marketing to women because women don't play enough, but women don't play enough because they're not being marketed to. So where, where is that resolution for myself? I have written a lot about women in the game and the, my blogging activity and I try as I can, if any woman comes toward me, I'm completely available to women all the time to help them with the game. If I ever meet women in games in New York, I always say to them, I'm, I'm here to help you. And, and any of my friends who bring their girlfriends or wives to games, I will always say, I will teach you the game. This is just my commit, my very small personal commitment to it. Well, but I think the question of whether women, how much women play how comfortable they feel live, why they seem to feel more comfortable online. I, I have a new relationship with a guy who's who's launching a gigantic international online site thing with all kinds of international partners, um, and he's very interested in bringing more women into the game. But that becomes a marketing question, and how and how women get educated in the game, and how they get. And but some of it is whether I mean you look at very masculine. Poker sites and women are simply not going to respond to that story being told. And I, the piece I just wrote for Poker News is very much about, you know, the name of it was Honor Thy Villain. Like, I'm very interested in a more zen approach to the competition that has less macho in it and more love and more Uh, compassion and a shared community around poker. So, women are not going to be responding to. Even though it's fabulous for you know twenty somethings and they're going to respond to a lot of that language of machismo and all of that and and that's fine it's fine but it's not a female texture emotionally uh, commercial you know in terms of uh, in term in terms of marketing a uh, marketing uh, criteria in that in that way so brands need to decide whether women are important to them and if they are proko brands if they are then uh, You know, their marketing efforts need to reflect that priority.
2: Well, efforts are still being made. They had the Ladies' Poker Summit at the Borgata this year, and a few (laughs) people are out there really uh, banging the drum and trying to to get things moving. So we'll keep working at it and uh, and hope it improves. Listen, we have to take a break. I I would like to have you stay around for a few more minutes. Do you have the time?
3: Sure, thanks.
2: Okay, hang on. Uh, I want to get into some of the, uh, your uh, poker publishing uh, a- a exploits over the years and uh, some of the things you work on there. So uh, let me take this break, and we'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
2: However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the play-for-real game becomes
0: available. Android and iPhone users, for the full version of WFO Radio, download
1: the WFO Radio app. It's sports radio for racing fans.
3: Thank you, I appreciate it.
1: The ultimate ultimate racing 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 show, including WFO Radio NHRA Nitro, WFO Radio Ignition, the WFO Radio NASCAR tailgate party, news,
0: videos, push
1: notifications, and more. I just hope I'm part of it. Go to the App
0: Store or Android Market. Search WFO Radio. And download it now. Now,
1: back on the show with
2: our special guest Eileen Sutton, who is a novelist and short story writer, and uh, working on her memoir now to, uh, in part, help encourage women to play uh, or women to get into the game of poker. But uh, you have. Uh, written a novel called Paradise, which I guess people can still get a hold of, and also you won award for uh one of your short stories uh called Dear Mr. Doctorow. Uh E. L. Doctoro, of course, the great author that wrote uh uh ragtime and uh several other things. Uh Billy Bathgate I I know is among his works. Uh tell us a little bit about your, your writing and how that relates to poker.
3: Um well thanks. Um Thanks Dave. First of all, I just want to say my novel Paradise is not yet in the world, but I hope it is. Oh, okay. Uh folks can find uh an act, uh, a link to Dear Mr. O, which was a short story that um placed in a competition I wrote. Uh, it's on my website which is com. but um yeah, I've been I've been a writer as I said for 30 years wearing a lot of hats. I did my uh I was an undergraduate uh, English major at UCLA. Um and then once I was in New York, I uh did my graduate work at NYU and got my master's there and work with Ed Doctorow, which completely changed my life. So I feel like between my writing life and my poker life, I've, I've just, you know, worked with some wonderful people. Um, So I feel, you know, I, I had started to play underground and I would sometimes come home and write up my games and just some kind of just some beautiful work started to emerge. So I decided that I wanted to try to, um, you know, write a memoir about my poker life and to your point, uh, to, to create a narrative that would, uh, help women understand one woman's, you know, journey toward, uh, self, self self-realization. Uh, however, that's kind of a goofy word, but you know what I mean? And, uh, so yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I'm hoping to bring that memoir into the world at some point and I continue to blog for, um, you know, for, for poker you know in my in the poker space and it gives me an opportunity to really work out what I'm feeling and thinking in the game which is why I love my blogging life because I I I I, I'm always intimately aware of the issues I'm working on and often when whatever blog I'm you can kind of map the stuff I'm dealing with in my poker life through through my blogging work and what the issues that I'm trying to work out and work through um you know I'm I'm interested in I'm I'm really interested in more of uh, the feel texture of the game and what we go through in our mental game and all of those issues, which um, I'm I'm starting to map uh, in addition to everything else I'm working on. I'm starting to map a second poker book, which I'm hoping will be um, really a book about how we feel in the game, a real pure well, uh, drive toward those sensations that we all go through like there, a minute at a there's time. There's
2: definitely a need for that because yeah. there's so many people that write about the nuts and bolts of the game the strategy and that sort of thing that we yeah. need kind of a different angle.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's some wonderful books about, you know, just, I, I mean, I've written, just read a ton of, of, of poker books and some of the... um yeah, so the books that get at the culture of the game, Martin Harris is a friend of mine who's just brilliant on the history of poker in right. his work. And, um, uh, there's the books that, that just get at the culture of poker. And sometimes I feel like studying the culture of the game. Almost helps me more than anything else, frankly. Yeah. I mean, we can all look at the nuts and bolts and the math and the comedic works and all of that stuff. And when I read books on the culture of the game, my heart floats upward and I just, I feel like I'm, I'm just informed. I feel like I'm, I'm being, my, my consciousness is being shaped. I'm obsessed with Stu Unger, who grew up in my neighborhood mm. and all of that. So that writing about the culture, some of, you know, um, uh Brian Koppelman, you know wrote yeah, a beautiful rounders. piece uh no yeah he he created rounders but he also wrote a beautiful piece years ago about the Mayfair club which was one okay. of the great underground clubs right. in New York so yeah. just the the culture aspect of it i feel like if you want to be in whatever world you're in you do need to understand the culture of that world and i think a lot of times now, in particular, it's neglected.
2: Just finished the uh, Stu Unger book uh, on audiobook. Uh, Nolan Dalla worked on it. Uh, and uh, I forget the fellow's last name, Peter, uh, uh, that worked on that as well. But it was a great uh, story called One of a Kind, uh, the right. Stu Unger story. But uh, really learned a lot of stuff about a really complicated guy that was uh, one of the greats of all time. But anyway, uh, you also worked on uh, the Total Poker Manual. Uh, for Card Player Magazine, I guess, was involved in some of the publishing of that and uh, really covers all different types of games.
3: Yes, it does. It covers five games. Um, Card Player Magazine was our corporate sponsor. Uh, Weldon Owen was our publisher in San Francisco. And the book fell fitted neatly into a, a total series. What Weldon Owen had a, a, a best-selling total series, and they wanted to do a total poker book, and we did that. And it was amazing, a year of my life, um, exhausting year of my Thank life. <laughs> and I was very devoted, especially in that book, to creating segments that highlighted women at every generation. So Jen Harmon and Vanessa Selves and Kelly Minkin and Linda Johnson, Linda Johnson and Maria Ho and Juan Lu and Leo Marguez and others are featured in that book. And it's a wonderful text. It's singular, visually singular. There's nothing like it in the market at all. Nothing. Um, and it's a great book, especially for folks who know absolutely nothing about poker. They can start, I mean, literally by just looking at the image of a table and sort of figuring out what the hell is going on. Um, but I'm I'm very proud of it. And, uh, you know, that's in the world. Very few women have written poker books, and I hope more women write more books.
2: Well, I did notice it is available on Amazon, uh, so check that out, everybody. It's uh it's, it's got a lot of great people associated with it, as you mentioned. Um, I'm curious to, to find out, when you edited that uh, book, how did that help your game?
3: Um, the Total Poker Manual, I wrote the Total Poker Manual. Um, and how it helped my game, uh, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, after, in like after
2: you finished and talking with all these people, did, did you come up with some really great uh, angles to uh, win hands?
3: I mean not, not particularly I mean in the sense that it I did ex we had experts expert spreads what they call in the publishing business so um Ed Miller and Tommy and my first coach Matt Matros all and um Phil Galfon, we had expert spreads and Randy Lou from we had I had expert spreads from all of those guys across several games um more of my uh, what I was able to consolidate from writing the Total Poker Manual, I was able to bring into a kind of a kind of tap the fact that I had been reading poker content for several years when a friend of mine reached out to me and said, do you want to write this book for well to know? And I said, sure. Um, so I was able to, um, you know, decide what I wanted to put in front of players in terms of what was important to them. And that felt wonderful as an opportunity my I edited Ed Miller's ninth book the course and my relationship with Ed really very early in my cash life transformed my thinking about the game and um he became my coach after that for a period of time and that's really where I started to uh, he's a genius i think he's just one of the best writers on low stakes cash in in the country and that really helped me take my game uh, my cash game to a much much different level.
2: Well, he's such a great writer. Uh, the stuff he writes in Card Player. Uh, we, I haven't read the course yet, but uh, uh, Joe and I are both huge Ed uh, Miller fans. We'd love to have him on the show. Maybe yes. I'll and maybe I'll get your help in getting him on the show. I, I
3: was going gonna... to. You know, you you my help is I completely grant you my help, and I've helped other podcasters uh, make contact with Ed. He's extremely busy. He's launching a new company. It would be my absolute pleasure to right. help you invite him oh. on um, and.
0: You know he's terrific, Eileen. I was go- I was telling Dave while you were talking. I said I, I need to ask her a question. And my question was going to be how did Ed Miller help your game, but you answered that before I had a chance. <laughs> before I had a chance to ask it, because
2: I I, I think just, if you're with him, just the uh, ozone around him, oh, the aura would uh, would improve I your game. I just
0: enjoy his writing so much. I, I I picked up so much just from reading him in Card Player, and. I told Dave this once. I, I hosted a poker tournament in Pensacola, and I don't. A gentleman came up to me. and goes, "Oh, you should have my son on your show." We were talking that I did that. We did this show, and he goes, and I go, "What's your son's name?" And he goes, "Ed Miller." and I go, "Man, I'd love to have your son on the show." <laughs> oh and he gave me his phone number. The father gave me. He claimed to be his father. Gave me his number, which of course he um, lost. And unfortunately, when I flew back, I don't know what happened because I was so excited to have it. And mm. and he says, "I'll contact my son, and then I'll give him your number." And Unfortunately I lost that so Eileen if you could make that happen
3: I, you'd, so, be my, would, you'd be making you'd be making one of
0: my poker dreams come true
3: <laughs> Absolutely I know I love making dreams come true <laughs> No it's all good and I think for for at the, you know I think you can shorthand all of Ed's the body of his gorgeous work by saying that um you know, I don't think poker is as complicated as everybody makes it out to be. And what I love about Ed is that how how he simplifies and clarifies. Does, I think yeah, Tommy has so that skill too. So much. Everybody. So, yeah. I,
0: I mean, I don't care how much knowledge you have of poker, you could read that, and and if you don't walk away with some some extra knowledge, something you've just, you, if you didn't learn something every time you read something from him, then you're not trying hard enough, or or you don't have the intelligence in the poker world to be able to, to comprehend what he says.
3: Right. And I would also just, if people, if you said to me, what would be my one piece of advice to folks, I would say play more. I feel like, I mean, I'm someone who's read, you know, whatever. I had a student for a little while who had read a hundred poker books. I'm not sure that's the goal. I think that we, I, for myself, I, I made a, revel- I had a revelation today walking along about the game um, that you only get when you're playing. And I can read like, you know, a ton of articles and stream, I stream content constantly and I read books all the time, but it's really only in game flow that, things really, really aligned for me in a completely permanent way.
0: I, so, I, I'm sorry, Alita. I just wanted to tell you after what you just said, Playmore, I was. I remember vacationing here in Miami from New Jersey, and we yeah. had a craps table <laughs> in the hotel we were staying, and some nice gentleman put up with me asking him 100 questions that they were trying to do some teaching type thing. And after like about 45 minutes of bothering this man, the man said to me, You want to learn how you're going to know everything about craps? And I was so eager to absorb this. And I go, yes, sir. He goes, go to a casino, buy $500 worth of chips, start placing them on the felt.
3: He goes, I promise
0: you when the $500 are gone, you're going to know how to play craps. And and I say that about poker. You need to sit down and get... Just like any, any other education, if you go to college, you've got to pay to go to college. And poker is an education also. If you lose the money but you learn something while you're doing it, eventually you'll start getting a return on your investment.
3: So, I agree completely. Poker content is a very new, it's a very postmodern, it's a very, you know, late 20th, early 21st century phenomenon. I mean, folks have been playing this game brilliantly without any software and any books for years, for generations, for decades. doesn't mean that we can't learn from beautiful text, but it's just not the only avenue.
2: You call poker one of the most fiendish mind games ever invented, which is uh, kind of sums it up in a nutshell. Uh, we can read your stuff, I guess, on redchippoker.com also uh you'll have some stuff on poker news. What else are you working on in the next uh, few months
3: i'm I'm finishing my first novel, and um I'm trying to uh make some progress on my memoir it's It's hard to work on multiple books at the yeah, same time so I and I have a second novel that i've started and um writers you know we're a little bit crazy and you know we <laughs> have time management problems <laughs> and i'm just and i'm trying to uh you know just uh constantly balance my poker life with my writing life and that's a gigantic challenge but i hope when i'm uh, in vegas i can uh, just be playing poker and writing novels and i'm going back in the summer and can't wait
2: well good luck in the future uh really enjoyed chatting with you and we'll have you back on again sometime uh we'll try to be in touch with you uh to maybe get a hold of ed miller that would be a really nice thing if you could do that for us but uh the main thing is well, let's get that uh, let's get that novel out and let's uh,
0: start making some cash
2: that's
3: right. That's right. <laughs> Not <laughs> us, you. And,
2: but uh. <laughs>
0: and remember, you can make a poker dream come true. So <laughs> you guys are
3: so amazing. Thank you so much. It's such an honor Thank to talk you. to you. I really appreciate thanks it. Thank for, you. Thanks
0: for your time tonight.
2: Uh, we will be in touch. Okay, great. Good That's night. Eileen Thanks. Sutton, uh, who is a uh,
0: blogger, is a editor, is a writer.
3: This is one of the
0: quickest interviews we've ever had, yeah. and it's lasted about 40 minutes yeah, already. absolutely. We the, always have them on. The typical th- Dave Lemon 20-minute
1: interview. Yeah, so. I tell them 15, <laughs> and uh, then I
2: ask for 45 when it comes right down to it. Anyway, uh, great stuff. And uh, you can check out uh, the book on Amazon, is The Total Poker Manual, which... Really has contributions from a lot of great players, a lot of great women players, and and men as well. Uh, the one thing I didn't get a chance to ask her about was Matt Matros, who we've had on the show. It's been probably four or five years, but Matt won a great... She was so
0: entertaining with everything she spoke about.
2: But Matt is one of the great mixed game players. He won a bracelet at the World Series of Poker three consecutive years, which was, like, unheard of at yeah. the time. Uh, and some of them were in mixed games, I do believe, so... Uh, You know, I'm kind of curious as to if that will ever take off in the poker world. It doesn't seem like it's gaining any traction. Well,
0: I'll be honest with you. You're talking about mixed games at the same time, like playing a round of one and playing a round of the other? Yeah. Well, we've been open for a little over a week now, and we've actually had three mixed games uh, in limit and in no limit. So, now, granted, the two mixed games that they're playing is Hold'em and Omaha, high-low, but... You know, I I believe if we start seeing uh, more of the um, you know, uh pineapple or crazy pineapple, which a lot of the rooms are here in you know, they uh, play that? They're playing Crazy wow. Pineapple a lot over wow. there. That's shocking. We we have not gotten a game up yet, but uh we have been prepared for it because you know, one of one uh, one of our supervisors came directly from Hialeah, and he goes, Joe. You know, we've we've run up to three games of Crazy Pineapple at different limits. So, people are experimenting out there. And um, you know, one thing that I was taught by someone who is an outstanding poker player, he goes, I love when they change up the game. He goes because. You know, when people didn't understand seven-card stud, I dominated. Then people, you know, that was the only game in town, so people had to learn on it. It became a lot tougher. Then hold them. I remember when Omaha, you know, started to be played, Omaha high-low. I don't know if you remember Jeff Ward who opened the poker room in 97. and we, We took a trip out to L.A. It was my first trip ever to L.A. We were at the Commerce Club. I was playing Hold'em because I was I've never been a big fan of Omaha. I, I haven't gotten the nuances of that how to play it. But I went to see Jeff. He's playing in a twenty forty thirty sixty game, and I said, "How you doing?" And he was always very comical. He goes, "He goes, they're dropping hundred dollar bills on the floor, and my fat ass is too lazy to pick it up," which, <laughs> which 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 was his way of saying they're playing so bad, and I just can't catch a hand to to take their money. And I just stood behind him and watched a couple of players behind him, and I'm not kidding, without knowing a whole lot, I know you would have had to put a gun to my head for these people to call two and three raises cold, even though it was a limit game at the time, with the hands that they had, because they weren't good for high, and they weren't good for low, so yeah, they were dropping $100 bills, he just couldn't couldn't catch a hand to pick them up, as he said.
2: Uh well they're underway out in uh Las Vegas. They're playing this by the way, three consecutive days, three final tables at the uh HyperX Sports Arena at the Luxor, beautiful gorgeous place. It's going to be incredible out there. Uh, they'll play these uh, three final tables this week. There'll be some other tournaments for the WPT throughout the end of March. And then they'll be here in town from April 4th through the 16th. The main event starts on the 12th here at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. So I'll be over there a good bit for that. Try to tweet some uh, stuff out f- during the tournament and uh, have some fun on that. We're working on some other guests. Uh, we will get those to you when as soon as we get them lined up. But our thanks tonight to Eileen Sutton. Uh, poker writer and uh, novelist, and, uh, jack of all trades in the publishing world, and, and a, a great
1: guest
0: for tonight.
2: A great <laughs> guest and a, and a good poker player, obviously as well. So, our thanks to her for being with us tonight, and we'll look forward to talking to her again down the road. That's going to do it, Geo. Thank you for all your help as usual on the show tonight, and uh, we will be back next week with another edition of the program. Uh, Good luck at the job. Uh, I know you're in full swing and it's taking up a lot of your time, but we appreciate you you're still driving all the yeah, way up well, here to do the Yeah, well, they're
0: accommodating me. on making sure that on Mondays I can get out by six, six fifteen, and so far it's taken me about forty-five minutes to fifty minutes, to, even though it's, it's from Miami. That's kind of like really big rush hour traffic, so. I'm glad I'm not delaying you, Geo Joe. Thank you guys for putting up with me with, the, with my new schedule. We will be
2: back with another show next week. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time on Raction.
3: The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.